You know, I just love children. Perhaps nobody loves them more than I do, and I have to say that many perhaps love them as much as I do, but not more. After our number four was born, I was talking to a member of this church who shall be remain nameless, and I said, you know, if I could afford it, I would have a house full of them. He looked me in the eye and said, Michael, you do have a house full of them. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Only a friend can do that. <laughs> and yet there is a phenomenon that at least it breaks my heart in two when I hear parents say something like this, we want to do whatever our children want. We want to go wherever our children want to go. We make decisions on the base what our children like. Sadly, the consequences of this kind of thinking is beginning to be felt in our culture. I want you to hear me right, please. God called the parents to lead the children and not the other way around. And you know, that came home to me not long ago when my grandson was visiting, and he was just beginning to walk, and he discovered that if he can hold onto your hand or your finger, he can drag you around. And he was just delighted that he could walk. And he would get up early, and so do I, and so that was our time together. And as soon as he gets out, he grabs my finger, and he wants to walk. And I walked with him for a little bit, then we came into a landing in our living room. And uh, he realized for the first time that he could really get up the stairs. One step, holding onto my finger. So he was proud of himself, so I went down again. Then he tried up again. And then he went down again. Well, after I got so dizzy, I realized that God has not called me to be led by a 14-month-old boy. <laughs> I realized that. In fact, Stephen Farrer laments this phenomena that is happening in our culture and he tells a story about a member of the British family, royal family, some years ago when he came to the United States and spent a few weeks in the United States. And when he went back, he was asked the question, what impressed you the most about the United States? He thought for a moment and he said, the way parents obey their children. <laughs> in fact, I heard the story of a salesman who came in the door and he was knocking. And a seven-year-old boy came and opened the door. And uh, the salesman said, can I speak to the boss of the house? And the boy said to him, he said, you are talking to him. <laughs> Sadly, that is the story in many a home in America today. And today, as we continue in this series entitled, The God Who Pursues Us, we come in Luke chapter 15, we come to this part where this younger son arrogantly, haughtily, and selfishly asks his father to give him his estate, the part of the estate that would have, he would have inherited after his father have died. We saw in the last message how that, in a context of the first century Middle East, would be the most insulting thing that a child can tell his father, because he was basically saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Why don't you hurry up and die? This preposterous attitude of this young boy actually reminded me of a poster that I saw a long time ago. It went something like this, attention teenagers, are you tired of being harassed by your stupid parents? Act now. Move out. Get a job. Pay your own bills while you still know everything. 
That's the story of this boy. The word parodical means rebellious extravagant. Sounds like the liberal politicians in our culture. (laughs) They are liberal and extravagant with your money. (laughs) But let me tell you that from 40 years of close observation, uh, 40 years of watching, not only in this culture but in other cultures, and I can tell you that extravagance with children creates parodicals that lack of boundaries and limitations around children create parodicals, that absence of training and discipline in the home will create parodicals. Moms and dads, listen to me. I am a father who made a whole lot of mistakes, but I want to tell you, if you want to be extravagant and give your children something that is uniquely genuine, give them time and not trinkets. But I can imagine the smirk on this boy's face as he packed his designer Jerusalem jeans and, and, and his designer Jerusalem shirts, and, and as he packed those and uh, feeling contempt for his parents. Uh, can you imagine that surly boy accusing his parents of being out of touch with reality? I mean, I can imagine his bitterness toward his dad's rules of going to church and doing his chores and cleaning his room. And the Bible said, Jesus said, it was only a few days after he got all the assets that his father gave to him that he sold them in a fire sale and converted them into cash. And there, with pockets full of cash, he gets into his convertible camel. Pops the wheels and burns rubber for 30 feet and heads for the Big Apple. And as he takes off, he leaves behind a broken-hearted father. He leaves behind a scornful older brother, and he leaves behind a devastated community. Parodicals don't only affect themselves, but they affect everybody around them, whether they're children, whether they're husbands and wives, whether they're parents. Whatever they may be, they leave devastation behind them. This boy thought that he cut the, wiped the slate clean. He thought that he burned all his bridges. He thought that he left no rights to claim. And Jesus said, that son scattered the money. Scattered the money. In fact, that's the word used in the New Testament or after the whole Bible as a farmer scatters seeds in the time of planting all over the land without necessarily very systematic. He just spread them around. Just, in other words, he was like spending money like a drunken sailor, thinking that his money was going to bring him friends, thinking that his money is going to bring him happiness, thinking that his money was going to bring him popularity, thinking that his money is going to bring him a status in society which he craved so much. And it did work for a short period of time. I was reading recently about a celebrity that was said in that article that the only friends she has are those that she bought and paid for. What a sad indictment on our society. Young people, I want you to listen to me. Be very careful. 
Be very careful of wanting to be with the in crowd. Be very careful of wanting to be accepted by your peer. Be very careful when you try to do that because it is going to be very costly, and I'm not talking about money. When this boy's money ran out, he was dumped by every one so-called friend. And you would think at that moment, he now says, now that I'm desperate, I need to go home. I better go back to my father. But no, it's too early yet. You know why? Because his pride was live and well. He hasn't been broken yet. He hasn't come to the point of desperation yet, because his pride would not allow him to go back. He's probably not being broken enough, and, but not being desperate enough, and presumably he said to himself, he said, well, I wouldn't go back there. How can I go crawling back to my father and asking for his forgiveness? How can I go back to my, and live under his roof and eat my older brother's food? How can I go back to the narrow streets of the village where every finger is pointing at me? I would never do that. No way. Well, to make things worse, famine hit the land in which he was. Most commentators think that was one of the cities in Syria is where he went. Famine hit that land where he was living. (laughs) But the boy was not ready to give up his pride yet. His pride was stopping him from coming to the Father. And so he gets a novel idea that he never thought about before, and that is getting a job. But what would a Jewish boy do? What kind of a job would he have in a Gentile city? I mean, in the time of famine. (laughs) Banks and corporations were not hiring CEOs at the time. And here, where he gets closer to rock bottom, not quite rock bottom yet, but it gets closer. For a Jewish boy to take a job feeding pigs would be like a rich American kid has a job cleaning the sewer. Imagine that. Imagine that. Pigs in the Middle East back then and even now, for that matter, not like the gentleman farmers who are raising hogs in this country. (laughs) They're not anywhere near as clean. I mean, they fed those pigs everything, every conceivable garbage and trash that you can think of, and I'll leave that to your imagination. But in times of a famine, the garbage was in short supply. They don't have enough garbage to give to the pigs. So they were giving them dried pods. Now, I've seen them. I know what they like. Many of you might know this pod known as carob. If you've seen the carob, and if you ever ate a carob, there's there's some edible ones. They'll break your teeth. Well, those particular pods were ten times tougher than the edible carobs. And Verse 16 says, the boy was even glad to get these pods, but he couldn't get enough of them. In other words, the pigs were better off than he was. Ah, that's the rock bottom. That's the rock bottom. And he begins to think, how much better off the servants in my father's house than I am. How much better off the servants in comparison to my abysmal condition in which I find myself? So he finally begins to swallow his pride. 
You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of the people that I shared Christ with and the people that many of you probably shared Christ with. Do you know what the number one reason why so many people, whether they're churchgoers or not, but so many people who stay away from the loving arms of the Heavenly Father, from the forgiving hands of the Heavenly Father, from the warm heart of the Heavenly Father, do you know what the number one reason is? Pride. Pride. Well, they think they're good enough just the way they are. They think they don't need God. They think they don't need a Savior. They're good people. And good people, of course, God is obligated to let them into His heaven. <laughs> uh, they don't need repentance. They don't need forgiveness. They don't need redemption. They don't need any of this. They don't need to bow before God in brokenness and humility. No wonder the psalmist said that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise, because that's the only way you can come to God. Because none of us are good. None of us are good. None of us are good enough for God. And that is why, my beloved friend, listen to me. Only those who realize that they are sinners and they are desperate for forgiveness of the Heavenly Father, only those who will come in brokenness and humility, in repentance and in faith, and ask the Father to forgive them through the Son, only they not only receive forgiveness in this life, but they will have eternal life with Him. That lie out of the pit of hell that you see in the movies and in the media, that everybody, when they die, they go to this pleasant place called heaven. No way. If they don't love Jesus now, how can they live with Him forever? That would be like hell for them. Verse 17, Jesus said, when the Son came to His senses, He began to write His speech. (laughs) When He came to His senses. Coming to His senses means that He snapped out of His stupor that he snapped out of his self-focused blindness. Please hear me right on this one. This was far more than just feeling sorry that he wasted the money. This is far more than just feeling sorry that he wasted his life. This is not just uh, uh, feeling sorry that things did not work out the way he planned it. This is not just feeling sorry that he had failed. No, 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 no. Not here. Not in this context. But he realized that he sinned not only against heaven, but against his Father. He realized that he brought degradation and shame to the good name of the Father. He realized that he is no longer arrogant, that he is no longer prideful, and he was no longer feeling that he deserves everything. He was no longer feeling worthy to be called a son. He was happy to be called a servant. He was happy to live in the servant's quarter. In fact, he was very happy to have a servant-master relationship with his father. In other words, he was totally and completely broken. Beloved, there's nothing wrong with brokenness. It is only when you and I are broken that God can put us together again in a far greater way. And often God allows us, and He waits until we are broken. As long as we've got our strength, as long as we say we can do this, as long as we put the flesh out there, God waits. He waits. You see, when this boy left home, he said, Give me. Oh, but when he came to his senses, he said, make me. 
When he left home, he was a son. But when he came home, he said, make me a servant, a slave. When he left home, he called it independence. When he left home, he called it pleasure-seeking. But when he came to his senses, he called it sin. He called it for what it is. He got what he wanted, lost what he had, and he was contented now for far less. You know, the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, that sin is pleasurable for a season. The sin is pleasurable for a time. For a time. Until STD and AIDS begin to ravish the body. It is pleasurable until the alcohol begins to fry the liver. It's pleasurable until the drugs begin to fry the brains. It is pleasurable until you realize that there are a whole lot of people paying a heavy price for your going into the far country. There are three stages of sin. The first stage is the charm of sin. The second stage is the contour of sin. And the third stage is the consequence of sin. The first is the charm, the allure of the far country that Satan holds that shiny one for you and says, here, come get it. Then there is the contour. Give me I deserve this. I am worth it. And the victim's mentality. And then there is the consequence, the spiritual pigsty. Now, beloved, the only solution to sin and guilt is repentance. The only solution to sin and the only answer to sin and guilt and failure is the Father's home. In the last message, we saw how the Father stripped Himself of His dignity by running in humiliation to welcome his repentant son. And we saw how this is a picture of God the Father is in God the Son, humiliating himself by hanging on a cross, so that whomsoever would come to him in repentance and in faith, whomsoever come and ask for the forgiveness of their sins, they will receive it. Today could be the day in which some parodical sons and daughters, some parodical husbands and wives, some parodical fathers and mothers, some parodicals would come to the arms of the Father. He is waiting for you. But then there's something very, very important here that the average reader is going to miss in this story, and I don't want you to miss it. It is very, very important. Listen carefully. It's about that encounter between a repentant son and a forgiving father. The father would not let the boy finish his speech. I have no doubt the boy is a long way home, and as he was walking home, he was rehearsing his speech. Have you ever been there? <laughs> when you're meeting with somebody and you try to plan your, your, your argument, planning your, th- your thoughts, and build your speech in your head, when I see my father, I'll say to him, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against you in heaven. Father, I am not worthy to be called your son. No, no, no. I said, Father, don't even call me a son. Father, just put me with the servants. And he was going through that speech in his mind. When I see my father, I would say this. And when I see my father, no, 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 I better say this. Now I want you to look at verse 21. The son begins to make his speech. And if that doesn't tear you up, I don't know. But just look at it. He says, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. And the father stops him. He didn't want to hear the rest of the speech 
Oh, that's very important. Father said, I've heard enough. But what about the part? Make me one of your servants. He didn't want to hear that. The father did not. That was not necessary, you see. Do you know why? Because our heavenly father does not take servants and slaves. He only takes in sons and daughters. He only takes in sons and daughters. You can serve God after you become a son. You can serve God after you become a daughter. But he will never look upon you as a slave. He will never look upon you as a servant. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servant, but friends. God will not call you anything when you come to him but a daughter and a son. He's in the adoption business. He's not in the hiring of slaves and servants business. He's in the adoption business. Beloved, let me tell you something. The grace of God is not partial. The grace of God is not with measure. The grace of God is irresistible. The grace of God is unconditional, and He's offering it to you today. As soon as you repent and say, Father, forgive me, the rest of the speech was not necessary. Oh, but Father, what about my past sins? You say, what sins are you talking about? (laughs) Father, what about what I did to you? Oh, what did you do? I don't seem to remember. Listen to me. Listen to me. The devil will always, always try to remind you of your past sins, but not your heavenly Father. The devil will always try to harass you about your past sins, but not your heavenly Father. And Jesus wants you to know that the moment you say, Father, forgive me, he say, that's enough. All of your past, present, and future sins are forgiven and forgotten. In other words, they will not be held against you. That moment, all of your sins, all of your failures, all of your guilt, not part of it, all of it, washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, God does not. 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 Can you say, God does not? not. He does not back up your sins on a computer hard desk and then keep it for safe, in storage for future references. He doesn't do that. No way. You can say, no way. The moment you say, Father, forgive me, He erases the entire disk. He no longer possible for Him to use it against you because He said so. He promised so. He can no longer use it in evidence against you when you come to Him and be a son and be a daughter. That's how God works. You know why there are some people who have difficulty forgiving their spouses and forgiving their parents or forgiving their children, forgiving a friend, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ? 
they have a hard time forgiving. You know why? Because they have a certain measure of self-righteousness. They fail to remember that God forgave them much. But there's something else that's very important. I cannot conclude this part of the story without bringing it to your attention. You notice the boy did not stop outside in one of the bathhouses outside of the village, get showered, shaved, and cleaned up? No. He did not go to some old friend and try to borrow some clothes so he can look presentable to his father? No. He didn't do any of that. You see, Jesus wants you to know that you can come to him as you are. Try to get and improve your life. Try to get better in order to please the Father. No, 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 that doesn't work. And that is why before you come to Jesus Christ in repentance and ask Him for forgiveness, all of your good works, the Bible said, is like a dirty rag. You say, you mean all the charitable work and all the good things I've done? Yep. Before you become a daughter and a son, Isaiah said, it's like dirty rag. All your efforts. And that is why the boy did not try to get cleaned up and dressed up and be presentable to his father. Listen to me. When you come to Jesus Christ as you are, he cleans you up. He washes you up. He dresses you up. And he sends you on your way as a son and daughter. And then you may do good work to please him but not before. There may be someone here today who would say, Michael, I am so overwhelmed with guilt and I'm so overwhelmed with failure. I'm so overwhelmed with grief. I'm so overwhelmed with sin. I don't know that God can forgive me. God promised to forgive everyone who would come. Will you come to him? Will you come to him? Say, Father, forgive me. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.